the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. We're on each and every day from 3 to 5. We take the issues of the day and talk about them from a Christian perspective. I saw a movie. It comes out tomorrow. I got to have a sneak preview. It's called The Essential Church, and I want to talk about it because I want you to see it. It's not what you would expect. It wasn't at all what I expected. It was it was a movie that you will leave being encouraged about the church. And I think you might have expectations that it's about politics because it's about COVID, or maybe it's about Grace Community Church because it's about what Grace Community Church uh, went through during the COVID when they wanted to open up. And it's not about those things. It's about the church. It is very transparent about that process that you have heard about, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. And I want you to see it. You can learn about it by going to EssentialChurchMovie.com. It comes out tomorrow, and we need you to see it right away, so we'll stay in the theaters for a while. With me is the writer and director of The Essential Church, uh, Shannon Holiday. Shannon, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Uh, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. You know, I got to tell you, I was a pastor of a church when the shutdowns happened. And, you know, I remember at the time we were in the middle of a lot of uh, rebuilding and proposing structure and a lot of stuff, right? So when this happened, it was a difficult time in, in multiple ways for, for us. And I was working with another pastor on some things, and I remember some of the conversations that we had initially, because initially they were saying, ah, we back after Easter, right? And there were certain things that were said, right. two weeks to flatten the curve, and I remember we had this one conversation where we heard from somebody who said this was going to be two years. And we looked at each other and we're like, and you know what was weird about it is we knew that was true, that, that this was going to be a long process. Yeah. And like, well, we're not going to do that, right? And the shutdown order comes on a Thursday. I was actually in a pastor's meeting with a bunch of people. We're done on Sunday. Sunday we're on video. And we all thought that happened awfully fast. Yeah. The church shut down awfully fast. And yeah. then you get into what's essential and what isn't. Uh, you're a part of – you're a filmmaker and a writer. You're a part of uh, Grace Community Church, John MacArthur's church. Yeah. This movie's not about John MacArthur. No, it's uh, not. It's not about even just your church. I think this is something that people who go to church should see, and you should bring people who are concerned about maybe how the church operated during this. What made you write this movie? Yeah, you know, um, I had just come on staff, and we were thinking about what our first project should be. And obviously, we're right in the middle of this. And, um, you know, it was pretty clear that we should just do a documentary on this. And Mm -hmm. so we said, let's pitch this to Dr. MacArthur and some other elders and see what they think. Well, they were on the same wavelength with us. They were already thinking about that. So when we converged and talked about this, they were all for it. Um, You know, it was something that was so divisive at our church, and a lot of people left our church, and Mm -hmm. they didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. They didn't know the full story. So 
we thought, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could show somebody the whole story, not just about our church, but the great greater church, the global church, past and present? Um, wouldn't that be great to show it through that perspective? And, um, you know, because a lot of those folks left and they, they just, you know, you could tell, you could, you couldn't tell them anything. They were going to leave no matter what. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we did. We wanted to make a, a movie for them. You know, I want people to, to real, realize we know that it's, we've got a lot of COVID fatigue, right? We've talked about this forever. We want to move past that's it. That's right. This story is not just a rehashing of what happened. You included a lot of church history and a lot of encouragement for what the church can do when suddenly it finds itself in the situation. Can you re- remind our audience or tell our audience, maybe not everybody has really followed the story, what happened at uh, your church at Grace Community Church? And and what did the church do through that? Why is this so important for people to, yeah. to remember and to know about? Yeah, so, um, you know, when, it, when we were told to closed down, we saw, and John MacArthur says this in the documentary, it was like a hurricane. Mm-hmm. You're in Florida, and they say a hurricane's coming, and obviously you're going to, you know, pack up and leave. And so you're, we're heeding the warning of the government. But when um, the two weeks were up, and at that point, John MacArthur and a few other elders were like, okay, we're ready to go back. But we have 40 elders. And so um, they didn't agree. Um, and there was lots of views on Romans 13. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big question that a lot of churches wrestled with. Do we obey the government or not? When do we do it? How long do we do it? And I think that's something people should know about. You know, what, maybe what we hear in the in the media is, oh, this church is doing this and they're defiant, and maybe they just want to stick a thumb in Gavin Newsom's eye or something like that. You yeah. Know? This film shows that this was difficult and not everybody was on the same page. That's right. And how do you apply Romans 13 in this situation? We're a church that submits to the government. And when we preach on Romans 13, it's usually, hey, you know, we're supposed to be respectful to the government, respect the authorities. Even if our politicians are somebody that we don't disagree, that we disagree with, um, we still need to show them respect and understand God's sovereignty and all of that. Mm-hmm. So when this came along, this was a different way to exercise that muscle and un- understanding Romans 13, and a lot of our elders didn't agree. And I think it would be interesting to other churches to know how we wrestled through that theologically, which the documentary shows, and how there was an evolution with some of our elders, and how they had to really flesh out these concepts and, you know, argue through it, and uh, not, you know, in, in spite of one another, you know, towards one another, but in love, and get to the bottom of this. And, you know, we didn't all agree, and we had to become unanimous, and it wasn't always pretty. It was kind of messy, and the, the documentary shows that. That's something I appreciated about it, is that it showed how messy it was, and I didn't know that. That's right. And I think it it's something that you know, I came away from it encouraged, encouraged about the capital C church. Mm. You know, when we have a lot of conversation today about what the church needs to do in our culture that's falling apart, and we have so many things going on. It wasn't just about your church, though. You also focused on churches in Canada where they were arresting pastors uh, for staying open. That's right. Uh, they went to prison. One of them, uh, maximum security prison that's for right. having a church service. Both of them, maximum security Both of them, prison. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, they were such an important part of this story. It's just as a filmmaker, you have to understand stakes. If you're telling a story, you need to show stakes. And boy, do they physicalize those stakes. So it was a no-brainer that they need to be a part of this story to show the stakes involved in this. And, you know, they, at that time, are, are being put in a maximum security prison because they refuse to 
shut down. Um, at that time, they didn't know how long they were going to be in jail. They could be two years. They could be five years. We say, you know, they were in there for 35 days. Or, and I think it's, you know, tempting to look at their situation and go, oh, it's not a big deal. It's a jail. So they sat in a cell for a little while, and then they were released. They went to a maximum security prison, and they had no idea when they were going to be released. And they were separated from their families, their children, some of them very little. Um, as you saw in the documentary, it was very traumatic mm. to those families to see their father arrested in front of their doorstep and taken away, and they don't know when they're going to see him again. I mean, this is a big sacrifice. And, you know, we're talking about Canada. We're, we're, I know. We're not talking about China. We're not talking about Russia. We're not even talking about, you know, some liberal European country who's decided they don't like Jesus or they just want— we're talking about our neighbors to the north, who we barely know as a different country. That's right. It's very eye-opening. Yeah, and uh, alarming. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the totalitarianism so easily came to them. So fast. Yeah, it would blew me away. And I was like, man. And, you know, they're kind of ahead of us on the curve. That's, mm-hmm. you know, how we've come to yeah. understand that. So it's scary because, you know, we are just a heartbeat away from the same kind of situation. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Shannon Holiday. He is the writer and director of a new movie called The Essential Church. I'd like you to go see it. I got to see it early. It comes out tomorrow. You can go to EssentialChurchMovie.com to find it or your, your movie app wherever it's playing in uh, L.A. and San Diego and various places. And I want you to see it right away because uh, that helps the movie you know stay in the theaters longer and reach more people. Uh, Shannon, were you guys concerned about going to jail yourself, even in this country? Yeah, that was a real possibility, actually. Um, when we received the threat from the government, uh, in that threat, it said, you will, you have fines coming your way, but not just fines, there is imprisonment coming your way. And we're talking about California or L.A. County? We're Who talking about L.A. County. L.A. County, LA County yeah. was what we dealt with the most, yeah. L.A. County board. And they went after us. I mean, hard. Um, they... Uh, so right away, we're like, what do we do with this? Yeah. And, and we're looking at the, our situation, and a lot of churches at that time were losing their, their court battles because there were court battles already going on, right? and they, they were losing. So the, the timeline here is the shutdowns happen in March, two weeks to uh, do the, you know, flatten the curve. Yeah. Uh, I like to joke that it was an intern who put that card together, and it was supposed <laughs> to say two years, but he messed it up. He said weeks. Uh, <laughs> um, and so March... April, Easter's gone. It yeah. was, you know, I remember as a pastor of a church, you know, having some hope that maybe we'd be back by Easter. It was the Monday after Easter that I sat in a chair. I don't think I've ever told this story before. And some guy online, a musician, did a a great version of the doxology mm. just on his piano. Mm. And I cried. I just sat in a chair by myself and bawled. Mm. And it hit me, what has happened here? This is going to be for a long time. And then the churches aren't opening. There's some rumbling about it in May. Some of the lawsuits start. Um, Take us along this timeline a little bit is to to remind us what happened there. So there's some openings happening in some restaurants, but there was definitely a prejudice against churches. Yeah, there for sure was. You know, the, the... protests started coming out that time. You know, the whole country just started rioting. Right. And so uh, it was insane. And you could riot, but you couldn't go to church. Exactly. And And you could riot, but you couldn't have a barbecue. You couldn't have people over to your house. (laughs) Remember people? (laughs) That's right. But it was essential that everybody gather in downtown L.A. 
and that the mayor joined them, which right. he did, yeah. unmasked, shoulder to shoulder. For days, these people did mm-hmm. that, and they were applauded by our politicians, those same politicians who said, your church is not essential, don't you dare go, Yeah, or everybody's going to die. So then when you saw that, you're, you're seeing the hypocrisy, and then you're like, well, is, is the science really real then? If that so quickly you, you picked one thing, one event that was happening, that was okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, then it becomes, well, then there's really no science involved at this right. point. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, the, and the other thing that's interesting about it is it was a really a big scientific experiment, if you will, because everybody went shoulder to shoulder, no masks, rioting, protesting. And then weeks later, you didn't see a ton of people dying in the streets. That's right. You didn't. So it kind of proved all. it kind of proved a point and yeah. our elders started to see that. Yeah. And that really started to move the needle in some of their minds. They're like, wait a second, what's going on here? This is partiality at mm-hmm. that point. Because you're saying we're not essential, but these other things are. Yeah. And it revealed the attitude of the governing officials that we have. That's right. Right? It revealed something very, very clear that this was not about follow the science. That's what we had heard about so much. And there is science, and I know that, that many of you have dealt with the COVID and you lost a loved one, and there, there's a real thing going on, but it wasn't what was being said. Exactly. And, you know, there's also something we learned is that one of the big things that happened, particularly for older people, is not being able to communicate or to be with people, to be right. gathering as the church had a tremendous effect. Yeah. And yeah, not only could they not gather, but if they were shut in or they're at the hospital, we couldn't go and visit them. It was standing outside the glass yeah. and waving or calling some of my people. Yeah. I talked to a guy who, you know, April, June, July, August, he declined rapidly. He wasn't allowed to go out of his his cell. They were delivering his meal in kind of his old folks' home, right? He couldn't go out. Wow. It was insane. Yeah. He died. Yeah. Died in there. Yeah. I mean, the... Not of COVID, just exactly. I think he gave up. Yeah. The, the effects of the lockdown, I think Jay Bhattacharya, who's an epidemiologist from Stanford, he's in this documentary. Um, he was really an outspoken voice on this, and he started what is called the Great Barrington Declaration. Mm-hmm. But um, he says in the documentary that it was the biggest peacetime catastrophe ever. Um, and there's there's no competition to that at all because the lockdowns affected people in such negative ways. Not even not only economically, but y- y- it killed people. Yeah, and people um, suicide rates skyrocketed. Yeah, self harm skyrocketed. Um, uh, you know, abuse skyrocketed. It was uh, it was horrendous what happened, and the opposite of loving your neighbor. Yeah. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Shannon Holiday. He is the writer and director of The Essential Church Movie. Comes out tomorrow, EssentialChurchMovie.com. So this is happening in the timeline. You're seeing now some uh, some classifications of uh, business were allowed to be open in different places. I believe casinos and theaters in Las Vegas were open, but churches had to be shut. Yeah, that's right. Right? And there was a lawsuit, went to the Supremes, and they shot it down. The church lost. The law, yeah, they lost that. Yeah. And we're looking at that, and we're saying, well, is this a road we want to go down? Like, yeah. should what What do we do? Do we just do we just stay pat and just, like, we're just going to open and let, let whatever happened yeah. happen? Now, were you meeting in person at this time? We already? were. That right, yeah. So that, how did that start? Because you guys were one of the first to... yeah. I, I, did you announce it, or was it just happening and you just didn't say anything? No, we announced it, and we announced it in a really big way, actually. We came out with a statement, 
um, from the elders. Uh, it was called Christ, Not Caesar. And in that statement, one reason I go to church history, they reference moments in church church history, um, specifically the Covenanters, which I have in the documentary, as well as the Great Ejection, where over 2,000 pastors were ejected from their pulpits in the mid-1600s. So um, anyway, that statement came out, and we pushed that out everywhere. So we we came out in a big way and saying, we're going to do this, and it was kind of to to convince others, hey, you should do the same. Let's open the church back up. It's been long enough. Um, and that process to get there, that process to get there was was rough because we had some elders that wanted to open and some elders that didn't. Um, and we, again, had to work through that. Mm-hmm. And it's not like John MacArthur can just say, I know people think of him in this way, that he just points and everybody does it. But we're, we're an elder-ruled church. We have 40 elders, and we have a principle of unanimity. They all have to be unanimous before mm-hmm. we actually do something. And I think that's something—it's another reason why I especially want— you know, Christians to go, or people are curious about this, is that that was very refreshing to me, because mm. I I got that document, I remember it, yeah. and I was glad for it, because I said, you know, a lot of the smaller churches can't do this, right? There, we don't have the money, there's not, That's right. you know, the resources for that, and what happens if the government does come after us? It's worth it, but if you can't fight it, then you, you really wrestle with that. Somebody's got to do it. Yeah. But I would have thought that would have just come from John MacArthur or a couple of people. What was super eye-opening and I think healthy was this process and the disagreement that you guys uh, openly talk about in this uh, film. What was the role of prayer that you guys had as elders in this? I mean, you had disagreements. You had people going, this is not the right thing to do. This is not Romans 13. Other yeah. people saying, no, this is a time. Yeah. Well, I'm not an elder, um, but, I, were, yeah. Yeah, but I, wasn't, I wasn't in there. And, but that's an excellent question. And I know many of these elders, some of them I've known, you know, over 25 years, and I know what kind of men they are, and I know their their um, their devotion and how they always are in prayer for our church mm-hmm. and, and before they make a decision. This is not willy-nilly. These are men who, you know, are qualified to be elders, and they've shown that in their lives, and we all see that. And so the prayer, I'm sure, was heavy and and often. And the movie shows that. It shows that it was a deliberative process and hard. So you are opening up. People started to come in person. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting part of the story, because what happened was the police started showing up. And I don't, I don't want to give away the whole documentary, but oh well. Uh, the police started showing up. <laughs> I think people want to go see this. It's <laughs> profound to see with your eyes what happened. Yeah, the police started showing up during the the riots church was closed at that time, and they just started showing up. They just started coming to church because it was a place of rest, and it was a place of normalcy. Um, And they were telling the pastors, you know, you should open up the church. And some of these guys were unbelievers. Mm -hmm. And they were saying, I recognize the, the... the resist the resistance that the church has, like salt and light, right? We're to be salt and light. If you take that away from the culture and the city, bad things happen. And they were recognizing that, and they were, you know, anything that would help that. And they saw that, and they said, you know, it would be great if you guys could open back up. And so, one, we were doing streaming at that time, and people started to hear applause. Mm-hmm. And they started to hear, they're like, wait, there are people there. Yeah. And... John MacArthur said, hey, if anybody shows up, don't push them away. We're not going to tell anybody not to come. 
Um, and so that was what they did, and people just started to come, and they were not told not to come. And really, the congregation was making a decision, even before the elders got there. The congregation was saying, we need church. Yeah. And they just started showing up, and we're not going to lock them out of the the church, and they just started filling the place. And that was happening way before we opened. So in a way, we were having secret church for a couple months before we officially opened. I think that's funny that people were hearing the, the clapping. That's right. Because we had that. You know, it appeared to, you know, it occurred to us one time, there's an awful lot of people here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, and most of them were doing something, or they'd bring their friends. <laughs> and we were having, I mean, doing the video church behind the scenes, we had fun. <laughs> we're with people, right? We're making new friends. And yeah. then people would say, are there people there? I'll never forget that. <laughs> Can you stay over the break? Absolutely. time to do that? Yeah. You know, I want people to also know that there's a historical element to the church. And this is something that this documentary, it weaves in uh, another story, a couple stories of what the church has done over history. That's right. And how that fits into this particular issue. And then I... I think it'll be encouraging for what we can do now going forward in a world where a lot has been revealed about the government's position. And we'll also talk about how it wrapped up with uh, the county of Los Angeles, uh, because I think that also shows the blessing of God and the blessing on his church, not just your church, not just Grace Community, but the capital C Church. Uh, my guest is uh, Shannon Holiday. He's the writer and director of a new film that comes out tomorrow. It's a documentary. Uh, it's called Essential Church Movie. You can go or the Essential Church. The EssentialChurchMovie.com is the website. I want you to go to that, and I'd like you to see it. it comes out tomorrow, July twenty eighth, uh, in different theaters uh, around the Southland. Just check your app or go to EssentialChurchMovie.com, and you can find it. We'll be back with the Pastor Scott Show in just a moment. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Shannon Holiday, and he is the writer and director of a new movie that comes out tomorrow. It's called The Essential Church. It's a documentary but I want you to know something. It's about the church, capital C Church. And the documentary traces what some churches went through during the COVID and the shutdowns. But it's also not a movie that is just about that or rehashing something for, you know, for posterity. I came away from this surprised that it wasn't what I expected and encouraged about the capital C Church. We talk a lot on our show about there's thousands of congregations in Southern California listening to our show and also on your app, wherever you are uh, watching it now. You can watch it live on KKLA.com. But there's actually only one church. And Shannon, we just said at the break that I think people will be terrified. Non-Christians might be terrified if they knew how many Christians there really were, even here in California. That's right. Yeah. And we should be aware of what Jesus would do through his church if we come together and we trust him, Mm. you know, for some things. Uh, Well, for everything that he says, obviously. Mm -hmm. You started, uh, in in part of this documentary, you tell a story about a woman named uh, Janet or Jenny Geddes. Tell us about that. Yeah, that was a new story to me. I knew that um, I needed to research the Covenanters, and I was in the middle of doing that and finding just amazing, rich stories. And as a filmmaker, I was just so excited. I was like, man, i got to make this a part of the film. Uh, I just wanted to sink my teeth in crafting those stories. But it wasn't. Uh, I was doing research and doing pre-interviews with some elders, and an, an elder, um, Rich Harasek, actually said, you know, I think we're like Jenny Gettys. And I'm like, 
who Ooh. is that? Who is Jenny Geddes? Does she, she go on, to this church? Is she on the greeting team? <laughs> yeah. She sounds like the greeter that you meet there, right? Yeah. Uh, and he said, no, you know, Jenny Geddes uh, in 1637, uh, she threw her chair. And I was like, uh, okay, tell me about this story. And he told me the whole story of how this woman was the spark to igniting this, um, you know, national stand that the Scots took um, over the church, and that really about how Christ is the head of the church and not the state. Mm. And that was all through the 1600s. I mean, if you ever have an opportunity to read about, read up on the Covenanters and what happened during that century, it's amazing for church history. Right. So um, I said, okay, when I heard that, and then, not to give it too much away, but I guess I will, there's a correlation with dates there that you'll see in the documentary that I just thought was so uncanny. And I was like, okay, that is amazing. I'm going to research her more. And the more I did, I was like, okay, I'm leading with her. She is the symbol of 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 what we're doing. And um and and the Covenanters in general, and so yeah, that's how I came up, up upon that story, and I just absolutely fell in love with it. You know, people hear that story, and what's encouraging about it is she's not the pastor, she's not on the church staff, she is a person who is a follower of Jesus, you know, and or, or somebody you know who's going to church. Not everybody going to church is a follower of Jesus, you know, that's uh, right. Which we we know that, but uh, but what she did sparked something. That's right. In so many people. And, you know, I think that there is something happening now. I do have a lot of hope that, that we, unless this is the time when, when Jesus is going to wrap things up, right, then we should believe that revival is possible. That's right. That tremendous revival is possible. And there are sparks of things happening now. Mm-hmm. We, through the COVID and the shutdowns, we learned the attitude of our government towards church, that maybe it's always been there, but it has been empowered or it has changed. Your church, Grace Community Church, you you opened up mm-hmm. and defied the county's orders. That's right. And uh, so, what happened next? Yeah, when we defied those orders, they came at us, and then um, we decided um, we didn't know quite what to do. But so we wanted some advice, and we we had a connection to Jenna Ellis, who was at the time the senior constitutional advisor for the Trump administration, and it just so happened that her mother went to the Masters University back in the day. So she had a connection there, and she liked John MacArthur, and so she responded right away. And, and her advice was, you, you should take them to court, and you should strike first. And there's strategy to that. Mm-hmm. And so we said, okay, well, how do we do that? Because she was not a Californian, so she could represent us, but not th- but through another lawyer. And the film shows that you also, as the leaders of the church and the elders, they wrestled with the idea of even doing this. Was the warning about lawsuits among believers in First Corinthians, and you really yeah. prayed through that process and worked through what is right here. Yeah, it really was. Uh, yeah, I mean, and we didn't want to lose, and we didn't want to take, we didn't want to spend the church's funds on things that yeah. you know that was yeah. just a losing battle. So why would we do that? So we, but we decided, you know, she advised that, and we said, okay, we'll do this. And she, they, they were pro bono, so um, you know, we weren't necessarily paying them out of our pocket they were pro bono they just wanted to take it we used the thomas moore society represented us in california and they're down in san diego Mm -hmm. lamandria and jana uh and they were fantastic and they went to war for us in the courts and you know it was hard on them because they were telling us hey you need to compromise on these things and john MacArthur was like yeah we're not going to do that 
we're we're not going to tell the people what they should or shouldn't do medically. They can decide for themselves. We're not going to tell them they have to do church a certain way because the government said so. Um, you know, they they can figure that out for themselves. We're, but we're going to be open. We'll have masks if they want masks. There'll be a tent outside if they want a tent. They can social distance if they want. But we're not going to we're not going to be the policemen for the government in our church and tell them they have to do church a certain way because that's that's they have the liberty in Christ to figure that out themselves. Um, and so we're not going to do that. And that made it really hard for our attorneys because they would go into court and they know they, you know, the judge is seeing this guy on the news saying he's not going to abide by any of their rules. So it was really difficult. And so, yeah, it was very interesting. And, you know, the chances of us actually winning that thing, you know, I talked to one of the attorneys and they said, you know, I, I honestly thought it was less than a 1% chance hmm. because there was no precedence. So the you opened up, county said you need to close. That's right. You had legal proceedings, uh, and they went back and forth on different things. You ended yeah. up winning. That's right. Yeah, we did. And you won, and the county n- didn't just sort of concede. The county was forced to pay. Not to like pay out the church, but they had to pay the legal expenses, or yeah. at least they were required to. That's right. We we did not ask for a dime. We didn't mm-hmm. get any damages or anything. That they didn't pay us a dime. We just made sure our lawyers were paid. Yeah, uh, which was a hefty fee. Right. Um. So they had to pay out over eight hundred thousand dollars to our attorneys for that. But um. And in doing that, it acknowledges that they were wrong. That's right. And, and and honestly, they settled because they realized where this was going. Yeah. And where was it going? It was going to where they were going to have to sit on the, uh, you know, in the witness stand, and then they they could perjure themselves, and they know that. How are they going to prove all these decisions that they made scientifically? How are they going to prove why Costco is okay to go into, but the church isn't? How are they going to prove that? And they know they can't. Yeah. And when they knew where it was headed and it went into what is called discovery, where you can start putting people on the stand, uh, they knew they would be in a position and all their health officials would be in a position to perjure themselves. They're not going to do that. Right. You know, I think the encouraging part through this is to see – and one of the reasons I think people should see this movie, my guest is Shannon Holiday. He is the writer and director of The Essential Church, comes out tomorrow, uh, essentialchurchmovie.com. I really think it's a good movie for you to go see. And in part because you see the process about how a church ought to work. And this isn't to say that Grace Community does everything right or that everybody's, you know. But in this case, you really saw the the reason for church leadership, the reason for elders who are above reproach, right? The reason that God has created his church this way, that Jesus' church. And there's a lot of, you know, I think that's encouraging for people moving forward because there's a lot of fear about the church and the government now, and what are we able to do? Yeah. And we shouldn't be afraid. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And we weren't the only ones that did that. The the Canadians did that, too. They had to wrestle through this with their elders, and they had to think about Romans 13. They had to address it to their congregation. You know, the pastors had to preach on it and present it biblically to the congregation on why they're going to make the decision they're going to make, and prove it biblically of why it's true. And that just didn't happen globally in the church like it did in the Canadians. It happened in the past, and that's why I involve it. Mm -hmm. And it's interwoven throughout the documentary where um, past saints had to, you know, flesh out these concepts of why I can tell the state uh, that you don't have any jurisdiction here, that you don't have any authority. Why can we tell the king 
that he can only be a member of the church but not the head of the church. That's right. And they had to wrestle through that. And what I saw as a result of this, it really hit me strong, is that when the church does what it's supposed to do, when they're faithful in the way that God commands us to be faithful, not only are they blessed, which we were because we had victory and we were protected, and we came out on top on this, and he answered our prayers and was with us, and that was so clear. But not only are we blessed, but communities are blessed. That's right. The world is blessed. And I know we don't have too much time here. I'll, I'll give you two ways. In church history, because of what the Covenanters did... Over a hundred years, they battled through that about mm-hmm. who's the head of the church. Many of them lost their life. That's right. And then in the 1700s, when we had an opportunity in the new land, the new world, to form a government, how did they form it? Well, I'm telling you, it, I used to say, well, it's Judeo-Christian worldview influenced that. It wasn't just that. It was this fleshing out of saints, right. of what they did with these concepts, of why it would influence our patriarchs to build the country, to design it the way they decided to do it. And, and that's a blessing. Really, in, in essence, America is a fruit of the church doing what it was supposed to do. That's right. And, and you look about that, now you look at Alberta up in Canada. What did they do? They made a stand, and it became public, and they went to jail, and it was all over the news, and these people saw the church is making a sacrifice. What are they sacrificing this for? Why would they do that just for church polity? What are they doing? And then they started to see what, was doing, what they were doing and why. And that inspired people. And you look at Alberta now, even amongst unbelievers, they ousted people that put the church in jail. And Alberta has shifted. And I think the church had a hand in that. Absolutely. The church was faithful and did what they—and that's not what it's about. That's a byproduct. That's right. We live in a temporary world. That's not why we're doing this. We're doing it to serve and glorify our King, Christ Jesus. But um, the byproduct of that is you see the blessings of that in people's lives, whether they're a believer or not. And and I think that's just fascinating. And I think that can happen now. And that's, I think, what you're going to leave with that feeling is that, you know what? God can use us now. We want to be faithful to him. We want to know his word and be faithful to it. We want our church to do that. And we're doing it because he's called us to glorify him, to make disciples. We want people to get saved. And the byproduct, though, is freedom. The byproduct is good for our community. That's absolutely and, true. And we like to say, you know, wherever the body of Christ is gathering together, it should be good for that community, even for people who don't come, right? The, That's right. That community should be sad if your church ever were to pack up and leave, even yeah. if they don't go. Yeah. That's the impact that we should have. This movie will help you. This movie is also well done. I like to point that out because sometimes with Christian movies, and I know people put their their heart into things and God can use stuff, right? But I know that it matters. That's right. That it's well done. Uh, You put this together well. It was uh, finished off by our friends at Kappa Studios who you hear about in our our show uh, quite a bit. This is a good movie. And I encourage you to go. What's the best way for people to get tickets? Um, The best way is you go to EssentialChurchMovie.com, and then you click on Purchase Tickets. It'll take you to a list of theaters, and I think you can just put your zip code at the top, and it will show the closest theaters to your location. And then you can have your your pick of the theater. Now, And they'll give you times and things like that. We're in Regal, we're in Cinemark, and we're in AMC. So we're in the three major theaters, and I believe there are four or five in L.A. and same with San Diego. So um, you should be able to find seats still. I, I know there are tickets still available, and um, 
yeah, it would be great to see, you know, Bible studies, small groups, bringing unbelieving friends to this, family mm-hmm. and friends. I think it's that kind of a movie that you can invite people. It's not. It's definitely not a movie you go and see by yourself. Right. You, you bring people with you and you talk about it. That's you, what this is about. You go have a conversation. And you're not going to feel like it was uh, politically motivated or driving you in a certain way. You're going to be encouraged about the church and what can be accomplished when we follow the Lord, even in difficult circumstances. I found it to be great. Shannon Holiday, writer and director, thanks for putting this film together. And thank you for being with us on the Pastor Scott Show today. Thanks for having me. It was my pleasure. All right. We'll be back. If you have any comments, you can call us 888-528-2557. Pastor Scott Show, Thursday edition. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. Always good to be with you. And you know, one of the things I love about our church and uh, doing a radio program and Christian radio is that there are thousands of churches out there, but there's really only one church. And... Now is the time, more than ever. I think it's always been the time, but we do have reasons why we might have different congregations. Obviously, geography is some of it, but uh, sometimes there are some doctrinal differences and other things. But if you believe that Jesus is the Savior, the Bible is the Word of God, and God has communicated to us that Jesus died for our sins and rose again, and that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life, and you believe the basic things about our faith, we're, we're in the church of Jesus And, you know, history is something that has shown that the church has persevered even through some of the worst persecutions and the worst times historically. And so often today, you know, we look at our world today, it's crazy. We're just living in the weirdest time of of our lives. Maybe if you're much older, you know, you've gone through some things. And if you're a his- history person, you know, there are times. There's There was a term called uh, the Dark Ages. I guess you're not supposed to say Dark Ages anymore. I don't know why. But there's a period of time, and it's like a thousand years, you know, from the 5th century to the 15th century. thousand years, Dark Ages. And, you know, part of the reason was is the the politics was crazy. It was economic decline. It was cultural and intellectual regression, actually. Education got worse. You know, fewer people n- knew how to uh, read and write and do things. The the art and other things uh, for that period of time until right about the end, you know, when you have a Renaissance period and stuff, it was just getting worse. There was decline of cities. You know, can you imagine that today, living in a world where there is the decline of cities? Uh, All you got to do is look out your window, probably, you know, or just go for a drive. We are living in a very similar time. You know, I wouldn't call it the dark ages in in the same sense, but our education system in our culture is getting worse. The numbers, math, science, reading, you know, the major things that people should know, we're not educating like we used to. Somebody pointed out to me, I know it's different and there's nuance, but that a country with an eighth grade education put a man on the moon, that a country where the best educated people, you know, the average educated person was eighth grade, they fought and won in World War II and then put a man on the moon. They're able to accomplish that. They put a man on the moon in a washing machine, basically. Uh, It's incredible when you see that. And then you think about where we're at now, where, you know, my uh, my cell phone is more complicated, I think, than uh, the Apollo uh, uh, 
missions, you know, or the computers and the the equipment for that. It is, and now we're looking at, you would think that we would have cities that are meticulously clean today, where we would have a system where the people who are homeless or in economic problems for other reason, where there would be a way for them to get back on their feet that is much better, much better than now. And when you look at the dark ages and the kinds of things that char- characterize that period of time, the decline of cities, the decline of education, the decline of cultural and intellectual uh, thought, the decline of art. I mean, is our art better today than it was before? There are some amazing pieces of art that people do today. But generally speaking, you know, are we more artistic today in areas of music in areas of, you know, sculpting and, you know, there's some, I used to take people through the uh, San Diego Museum of Art and I would be uh, uh, pretending to be a docent and I would just make stuff up about the paintings or whatever. And it was a lot of fun because people would gather around and I'm literally making it up. But in, in the process of doing that, you also begin to respect the art that's there. And maybe it's something that happens when you get older and you start to look at a painting or you look at something. And when I was younger, it, I don't know that it inspired me, old art, but it does now. And something you think you get. But then I see some things that are modern and I don't even, I don't get it. Or I think it's so abstract that, you know, like there's no brush or canvas. You just think about it. And then that guy sold his statue that he carved that doesn't exist. And he sold it for $18,000 and just imaginary. But he sold his thought of it, right? It's just weird. And the political instability, certainly in our country, we are in a place where we're maybe, at least since the Civil War, the most instable. And yet one of the things that happened during the Dark Ages was Christianity grew and regular people, regular church people began to believe and understand that there was hope in Christ and ultimately you have the Reformation. Ultimately, once you have the printing press, then people could start reading their Bibles, and then you get out of the Dark Ages. You get a period of time of of great understanding and still a lot of difficulties, but you see that the church had such a great impact on the culture. And like we were just saying, the church is not about making an impact on the culture, meaning that's not our goal uh, it is not our goal to just be religious. It's not our goal to, you know, have a nice building or art or to improve uh, the society. But it is a byproduct of what happens when you actually follow Christ. It's a byproduct of what happens when we put aside the sin that entangles us and we leave that behind and we push forward into what Christ is calling us to do. And if I can encourage you today with that, I believe that we are in a place where we might be about to have one of the greatest revivals that has ever been seen, because I do think that we're a culture, and globally too I'm talking about, that is searching for something true, that the philosophies have broken down into chaos, and human beings are going to search for a philosophy that is right, a philosophy that is helpful, a philosophy and a direction that says this is ultimately true. And I believe you find that in Christ. I believe that you find that in a God who is the creator, who is the lawgiver, who is the judge, who sent his one and only son to be with us, a God whose desire is to be with us, a God who has created a way for us to not just be with God for eternity, but to have 
to be in his family, to be in the family of God, and has told us how to navigate this life in this fallen world and promised us that if we trust in him, if we trust Jesus, then we'll live eternally in uh, a time of perfection, a time where there is no sorrow, there is no death, there's no disease, there's no COVID, there's no bad politics. That is right. And we have this hope in Christ. And I believe that message is one that is so needed. And over time in history, you see that that message gets received, received in much greater numbers. And that revival starts with prayer, and it starts with the church. It starts with our own repentance, taking the log out of our own eye, following Jesus, and the impact on culture is tremendous. So be encouraged with all the darkness. You know, we're a show, we talk about the news a lot, and, you know, it's hard to go through the news and even find a positive story, let alone how do you take what's going on and encourage people with it. The encouragement is always in Christ, and the encouragement is always that things can get better here. Uh, through Christ. So be encouraged that way. That's something that, and I, I'll tell you what, you know, Jesus trusts you with that. He get, his, his plan is the church. That's the strategy, is his church. And the goal is that people would get saved. The strategy is the church. And the the tactic, if you will, is disciple-making, and you investing in the people that God has purposefully and providentially placed in your relational world. You can't change the world yourself, but you can impact the world you live in, your neighborhood, your household, your community, your dorm room, your office, your your cell, if that's where you happen to be. You know, God can use you wherever you are. Ask God to use you in the lives of the people that he's placed, and don't worry about, you know, what might be in your past, except to make it your past, to say, Jesus, I repent. Uh, help me to follow you in every way. And put that behind you and go out and love the people that God has placed in your relational world. Pray for them, invest in them, be prepared to give a reason for the hope you have. And I think when we all do that together, uh, we see a tremendous impact and, you know, it's a wonderful thing that can happen. All right, this is the Pastor Scott Show. You can get the podcast by going to kkla.com, looking up Pastor Scott Show, Pastor Scott Show podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and elsewhere. Tomorrow's Open Line Friday. If we didn't get your calls today, we'll get to them tomorrow. God bless. Have a good night. We'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com